Just a note about today's pod episode. This contains discussions of sexual abuse and might not be appropriate listening for everybody. If you'd rather skip this one, we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. All right, on with the pod. When we go to a doctor, we are inherently vulnerable because there's so much that we don't know and we're relying on both their knowledge and analysis and expertise, but also our trust in them that they have our best interests in mind. But unfortunately, some doctors abuse that trust. And as we've seen time and time again, young people are especially vulnerable. Youth hockey circles in Southeast Michigan, like other sports before them, are now confronting revelations of sexual abuse by a volunteer team doctor. This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. Twelve people have come forward with stories about abuse and misconduct by Dr. Svi Levron. They ranged from ages 14 to 50 at the time of the abuse. The urologist provided medical services to a number of high school and all-star teams, both in Michigan and Minnesota. Reporter Katie Strang with The Athletic broke the news of the charges against Levron and published an in-depth piece about the allegations this week. She says Svi Levron first became involved in the local hockey scene after moving from Israel to Detroit for medical school. He got married, had kids. His only son grew up playing hockey, eventually earning a spot on his high school team in Farmington. Dr. Leverin started, you know, volunteering his service, acting as essentially a de facto team physician. Um, So he got to know a lot of local suburban area players. That way, he would oftentimes treat players from the Farmington's program, sometimes treat players that were playing for the visiting team. He would run yoga sessions for players, not just with Farmington, but other local programs. Uh, And he also started, you know, offering his services to provide physicals for players, which it's pretty standard in Michigan. They require physicals for pre-high school sports participation. And then Dr. Levin also, you know, over the course of a couple decades, used to host these pretty well-known Friday night skates where he'd buy ice time, which is often pretty cost prohibitive. And guys would shoot them five or ten bucks and, you know, they'd have drop-in skates and pick up games late on Friday nights. The fact that he was performing some medical services for teams I mean, is this very common? I mean, he was an MD, but the guy was a urologist. Do you know if many, many programs rely on specialists to do basic physicals? No, that's not common. In fact, you know, I've spoken to some experts on this and, you know, you are allowed to get, um, you know, any RN, PA, DO or MD to fill out that participation form. However, the guidance is generally that either like your primary care physician or in many cases, your pediatrician fills out this form nowadays. So that was certainly unusual. You know, it seems like he was very much carving out a little niche for himself in offering his services on the cheap. And so that was his point of access to many of these area athletes. I know that what we have here is a series of complaints across a couple of different states that have that have surfaced at different times. But taking it back chronologically, what are what are the earliest complaints against Levron? So the earliest 
incidents of alleged sexual abuse that we were able to identify was a pair of incidents in 2003 involving a pair of twin brothers who went to him for one of these pre-participation physicals um, and both detailed experiences where they were, you know, touched inappropriately and, you know, essentially sexually assaulted. That's not to say that there are not instances that date back further, um, but that's the earliest that we have identified. And as for the current 12 charge cases, those cases span incidents from 2016 to 2022. And, you know, it's worth noting those are from a certain jurisdiction, right? Those those were all in the Farmington area, which is where he was practicing in sort of the post-2016, post-2017 era. He previously worked out of Livonia, um, uh, out of St. Mary's Hospital, which is uh, in Wayne County. So all individuals who have any incidents of alleged abuse who have reported information out of Wayne County have been routed through the Michigan State Police, who's also an active investigative partner in this investigation. We should say that there were complaints about him at several points during his Michigan career, including one really strange story of a botched surgery. How did he how did he come to the attention of of medical boards? Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think it is, you know, really important to underscore. Um, you know, there were five complaints, um, administrative complaints that we found that were filed against him, you know, with the licensing bureau, the state medical board. A couple more recently for, you know, performing pelvic exams out of the basement office in his home, which is frowned upon and quite frankly, highly unusual. It, it's particularly like frowned upon since the Larry Nasser case, um, because that was a component of that case as well. Um, and it's seen as a bit of an outdated and archaic practice. But you're right, the sort of most interesting complaint among those handful of complaints was one that was filed in 2009 by a fellow physician who saw a young boy for a second opinion and um, this young boy years earlier had gone to Dr. Leverin for a penile surgery to correct a penile anomaly. Um, and Dr. Leverin had inadvertently removed his testicle. Um, and according to multiple physicians with urological expertise that I consulted, that sort of surgical misstep was absolutely unprecedented and unheard of. And those physicians made that very, very clear to the board that they felt that was a level of negligence and incompetence that required an appropriate amount of scrutiny. I can say, you know, that investigation lasted multiple years and ultimately they decided to dismiss the complaint based on a number of factors. You know, one of the physicians on the board said the surgery corrected the penile anomaly and the parents weren't upset about you know, the surgery and that the surgical misstep was perhaps a foreseen occurrence because of the weight of the patient. Now, it's worth noting that that surgeon is not a urologist um, and the urologists that were consulted had a very different opinion. Hmm. So amid all this in 2011, while the investigation into the, the surgical uh, mistake was going on, 
Levron up and moved to Minnesota in the midst of all this. Do we know if he was feeling pressure from the scrutiny? You know, it's very unclear as to why he took that job. I can say that he told friends and contemporaries that he was excited about, you know, serving a rural area and being the only urologist in Otter Tail County. And there are contemporaneous articles reflecting that you know, public sort of sentiment from him when his hiring was announced. It certainly was a move that was made in the final months of that pro, whether they're connected, I don't know. I have reached out to the medical group that hired him to see if they had any sense that there was this ongoing investigation. And all they would say is that they could not comment on personnel matters, but that it is a prerequisite that, you know, a person being hired in Minnesota would have an active Minnesota medical license. What do we know about what happened once he got to Fergus Falls, this small town in Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, he pretty much picked up where he left off. You know, he hooked up with a local high school team there. He started volunteering as a team doctor, team physician. He was running yoga sessions for the players. He was fraternizing with the players. You know, a couple of players recounted a party that he had at his house. Um, so he was, you know, really kind of ingratiating himself to that community there as well. Just like in Michigan, uh, there were, you know, multiple incidents that players say they went to go see him for injuries. And during those medical exams, he, you know, sexually abused them by touching their genitals in a medically unnecessary way. At least one of those disclosures by one of the young men was overheard by a team trainer that was working as a contractor for the school. He escalated that to his superior at the medical group, which was also Leverin's employer. What happened from there is very unclear. And I can say that, you know, Leverin's employer, the school district, and the police have been relatively vague about what happened. Um, you know, the school, you know, they have acknowledged that they received a couple of complaints and that shortly after they cut ties with him. However, you know, there are no mandatory reporter um, intake forms that were produced in public records requests with any of the agencies that would have been reported to. So the police, county health services, uh, and the police have said that you know, they made some informal efforts within the community to try to suss out, you know, potential victims or anyone with information, though there are no records to indicate those efforts were being made. And then both the school and the police department have said the reason that there was no formal or more robust investigation was that they received a letter from one of the victim's parents threatening litigation should they pursue the matter. Um, so they felt like that preempted their ability to do so. Now, I'm not a law enforcement expert. I don't know if that would be standard protocol or not, but that is what they are offering in terms of insight into how they handled those allegations. time for a short break. We'll be back with Katie Strang in just a moment. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College. 
offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Katie, how did the law in Michigan ultimately catch up with him? So a 19-year-old hockey player went to Dr. Levin for an appointment for an injury in October of 2022. And during the course of that appointment, he said that he was sexually assaulted. And he went to the police later that night and reported Dr. Levrin. And Dr. Levrin was arrested the next day. And since that arrest, there are now 12 charge cases in Oakland County alone with several outstanding investigations, not just in Wayne County, but also other states. And prosecutors and police expect there to be more people coming forward and, and likely more charges to be filed as well. Katie, Obviously, these this news is really crushing that there are that many people who are who were affected by this. These things happen. The incidents of abuse were seemingly happening before the revelations of Larry Nasser's abuse of gymnasts, before the Robert Anderson scandal broke big at the U of M. And, and so many other conversations that we have since had publicly about church sex abuse, sex abuse in youth sports. And yet it still feels so crushing to know that even as, as much as we have, you know, as this topic has become more public, there's still so many other people out there who have survived abuse. Did this particular case tell us or confirm anything that we know about what situations are prime territory for abusers? I mean, I think any situation, you know, where there's a power imbalance is always ripe for abuse. So, you know, in sports, there's always that dynamic at play, whether it be a coach, a team doctor, anyone in with authority or influence, that seems to be fertile ground for abuse. Um, and certainly, I think more and more we're we're recognizing you know, physician misconduct. We as a society are largely very deferential to doctors, um, you know, in many ways for good reason, right? But, you know, I think there is a bit of a reckoning that's been happening with seeing these cases of, you know, serial abusers being exposed and people who have exploited their expertise and their power imbalance with with patients to abuse them. And I, you know, I think for for me, whenever I'm covering a case of physician misconduct, which, you know, I was involved in in covering the Nasser case as well, it's a really complicated dynamic because the inherent power imbalance and the inherent trust and deference that we provide physicians. So when that is exploited, it is even all the more egregious. 
And I think it's sometimes often harder to recognize because, you know, in the Nasser case, in this case, in the Dr. Anderson case, to some degree, there are sometimes incidents of abuse that are done under the guise of legitimate medical treatment. So I don't think, you know, there's a level of ambiguity there that can be really, really confusing for people who experience that. Yeah. Anyone who's involved in youth hockey, and I, I think this is true of a lot of youth sports, will tell you that it's it's so, I mean, hierarchical isn't even the word. I mean, what the coach says is what you're going to do. And especially, you know, the higher level of play you're talking about, there's, you know, uh, dissent and complaints are not encouraged. <laughs> and there's, there's an ethos of toughing things out that might be uncomfortable, if not, if not painful. Um, I think that was certainly true in the era in which in which Leverin was involved in Michigan uh, youth hockey. Do, do you have a sense that programs are still run like this today? Yeah, there's still a lot of old school hockey and hockey. Um, and I think that's such an astute observation that you made. Um, you know, I've long felt that, you know, there is a, a real fetishization of stoicism in hockey and gritting through injury and um, toughing things out and not being a distraction or not taking away from the collective with individual complaints. And I do think that also is an important component in, you know, abuse, power unchecked and cultures of fear or silence. Those are not productive conversation grounds. So, you know, I, I do think you said it's hierarchical. Absolutely. You know, there is a tremendous amount of insularity and parochialism in hockey, um, which is not to say that, you know, I'm not trying to be pejorative about hockey. I've worked in hockey for 15 years and there are so many things I love about the sport, including the people. Um, but there are components about the culture that are unique and I think are on display in cases like this one and others. I mean, is any of this getting better in any way? You know, I would just say this, you know, male sexual abuse, I think, is often overlooked and underreported in our society. And, you know, the fact of the matter is it's extremely common. Um, you know, the most commonly cited statistic is that one in six males um, experience a form of sexual abuse before the age of 18. And even that might be underreported. So, you know, I, I always try to be really mindful of that and um, cognizant of the, you know, sort of complicated dynamics of male sexual abuse and the fact that it's not reported on nearly as much as I think it should be. And I have been heartened, I think, um, from the level of outreach within the community since these initial charges have been filed. That's Katie Strang of The Athletic. You can read her story about Dr. Svi Levron on The Athletic website. Katie, thank you. Thank you for such a great conversation. And that's the Stateside Podcast. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes. Stream them anytime you like when you're ready for more listening and more Michigan storytelling. You can find them at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by April Van Buren. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kapansag and Mercedes Mejia. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you for listening. We're always glad to have this time with you. See you next time.
Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.